Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. This episode is a recording of a recent live Q&A I did for the members of our Expert Empires community. We covered loads of ground, including how to package your offers for your products and services, how to launch a big project, public speaking tips, and lots more. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for joining us this evening. Pleasure, uh, pleasure to be here and do the very best I can to, to serve you and support you in your respective businesses. So um, let's get stuck in, I guess. Um, Deborah, as I said, you are first up. So um, the question that you submitted, I'm reminding you since you couldn't remember, uh, the question that you submitted was, how do I package my offers? Um, I wanna have three tiers of membership but can't decide on pricing strategy. So I probably need a little bit more info to answer this one, Deborah. So um, feel free to unmute yourself. Um, so we um, we met at Expert Empires like a couple of weeks ago, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. I was just checking. I meet a lot of people. I was just checking it was you, and I haven't fabricated that we've met in my mind. Um, so, yeah, for, 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 for the benefit of everyone listening in, for a bit of context, I guess, um, just share what your 10 seconds or less, what your business does, please. Okay, so I help dance studio owners, so people that run dancing schools, to be more successful in business because they have very little business knowledge. They just have a passion for teaching. So I'm basically a business coach, but in the dance industry. Perfect. Thanks, Deborah. So um, it's all come flooding back to me now. So uh, your question was about packaging your offers and you want to have three tiers of membership, but can't decide on pricing. So um, as you know, I work closely with Gordon Burcham, who does what you do for martial arts schools. So what I'm probably going to give you is the model that's worked well for him that you can adapt for dance studios. So um, I, I think I love having three tiers. I think it, it makes the sales conversation really easy because you go, look, here are the options you've got, which one's best for you. Um, now, caveat, if you were starting at absolute zero with no clients, then this would not be the answer to this question. So if you're starting from zero with no clients and you're listening to this, then um, my answer would be slightly different. Maybe I'll explain that in a moment. Um, so yeah, Deborah, what, what I'd say um, at the moment, what is the package or what are the options that are available to your clients? Okay. So um, I have got two tiers at the moment. One is a 50 pound membership, yeah. which is majority of my clients are. And then I have a seven pound a month membership because the big thing that I struggle with is the fact that they haven't really had somebody like me in the industry before. So I'm kind of having to educate them in the first couple of years. Um, so, so as you know, Gordon had the exact same thing with martial arts schools. We had that conversation, yeah. I think, expert empires. By the way, you, you dropped out. You said you've got a 50 pound a month membership. And what was the other one? A 97 pound a month membership. Perfect. How many How many have you got on 50? How many have you got on 97? Um, I've got about 80 on 50 and about 25 on 97. All right, cool. So I'll keep this real simple for you. And I'm guessing for 50 or for 97, they get online meets and content from you. Like real simple. Um, I would personally, I think 50 and 97 are a little bit too close together is my honest answer. Um, I would probably, if it was me and I was saying, right, three tiers, 
And obviously, I know a little bit about your business, but not loads. I'd go 50, because that's been proven to work. You've got 80 members. Um, I'd go like 250. You're going, that's a big jump. Um, And then I'd go like 500 a month. And my thinking is 50 is your low price, entry level, um, scalable. You deliver it all virtually, digitally. It's very little of your time to deliver it. The 250 option, and by the way, I'm making 250 up. It could be 200 or whatever. Um, but you know, it needs to be there needs to be uh, some sort of jump or gap to make it worthwhile. Um, I would make that next level a more access to you, but in group format. Um, maybe a little bit like this, like we're doing this evening. Um, and then for 500, it's like one to one. It's it's time with you privately. And here's the thing. You might get none at 500 to start with, and that's okay. Because if all it does is anchor and position the 50 and the 250 a month, the 500's done its job. And I guarantee that if you run with those three options, at some point in the next six to 12 months, somebody's going to go for the 500 and you're going to go, wow, um, that's amazing. And, and I do think that, your, your concern is valid that maybe, you know, that isn't investing in business coaching, investing in personal development may not be as common in that industry as maybe it is in mine or, or now is it is in Gordon's, but it wasn't common in Gordon's either. He had to educate them and train them over a period of time. The fact that you've already got 80 people, well, over 100 people now paying you tells me um, that, you could and should, I mean, look, basic quick maths, you're doing, um, what, four, so 80 people at uh, 50 months, so you're getting like um, four grand a month from that, is that right? Yeah, the, the turnover, we're at about 120K a year with other products that I sell as well. So if all you did, if all you did was literally just take what I've said and go 50, 250, 500, I guarantee with no extra leads, opportunities, anything, I guarantee that you jump from like 100, 120 grand a year to 150, 200 grand a year, just doing that and nothing else. Now, obviously, there's a number of different things you could also do, but that'd be like my go-to start point. And what I would probably do, Deb, uh, which would would be um, a great first step, like to start on this, would be take your 97 people and basically say to them, look, I'm creating a new membership option, which is 250 a month. Um, now, because you're an existing client, I'm going to let you have it for 150 a month or you can downgrade to the 50 a month whichever one you prefer i guarantee they'll all upgrade to the 150 because it's only a little bit more money and there might be a handful that drop down but ultimately you'll be immediately getting paid more for doing essentially the same amount of work and then as new people come in you go 50 250 500 or let's say you go 50 200 400 whatever you think um i think that would be my yeah, that'd be my best strategy for you as far as pricing goes. Yeah, I like the fact of not scaring away the higher tier people I have at the moment by whacking it up so high, almost giving them like a founding members rate. But then anybody no, else, yeah. It, it gives you it actually gives you a really great opportunity to serve them and maintain a good relationship. 
Like the, the, the concern people always have when we talk about increasing prices or, or going premium is what about my existing people? So don't punish them, reward them for their loyalty. And of course, by having the 250 and the 500 options, it's just going to, um, as I say, price anchor the others and make them seem like, you know, even better value. So. Fantastic. Thank you. And just one last quick question, because I don't want to hog the, the whole call. My other pr- possible thought was to create a really low membership strategy just to get everybody in at the bottom of the funnel. But do you think that's a really bad idea? You already have one. It's called £50 a month. For business advice. Listen, you're not Netflix, all right? You are business advice. No one made any more money watching Netflix, okay? So it's justifiable, 7 10 £13, pound, I think it is a month now. Um, you're educating on business. Like they invest 50 pounds a month. If they implemented just one thing they learned from you, they would make more than 50 pounds a month back. So you certainly do not need to go cheaper. And I think you already knew that. You just wanted me to reinforce what you already knew. Yeah, Um, I wasn't going to give any coaching at at the lowest lowest tier. I was just going to create like a networking place for them to all go and... I just yeah. think it's unnecessary. I would much rather, at the stage you're at, Deborah, I'd much rather you have a smaller number of clients paying you a larger amount of money than a larger amount of clients paying a smaller amount of money because with a larger amount of clients comes a lot of admin and yeah. hassle. In my experience, the less they pay, the more hassle. Yeah. That's been my experience. True? Raise your hand anybody else that's had this experience. The less the client pays, the more hassle, the more of a pain in the ass they are. Raise your hand and show me. Show me your hands if you think this is true. Right, so you've already experienced that, Deborah. So, yeah, that would be my thought. I've got to move on. Dave, thanks for your patience, Dave. Um, And by the way, everybody else, I have your questions and I'll do my very best to get through all of them. Um, But I'm prioritising the ones, the people that were here first, quite frankly, uh, if that's okay. So, um, Dave, your question was, um, what advice would you give for a social media-focused marketing strategy for a coaching business Great question. Um, obviously, a lot of the businesses that we work with are coaching businesses, so this is right up our street. Um, simplest answer I can give you, um, because, by the way, I don't profess to have um, all the answers to all the questions. I certainly don't profess to be a social media expert, but what I, what I think I am is an expert in building coaching and expert businesses. So the best bit of advice, Dave, I could give you to start with would be focus on mastering and dominating one platform. Then maybe diversify later. The mistake I see a lot of people make, and this is not just coaching businesses, it's all uh, businesses, is they try and build profile, brand, gain attention on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Clubhouse, uh, LinkedIn, Pinterest, all at once. And so they're too diluted and they don't really make an impact anywhere. My advice would be start off with the platform that either A, your client, your ideal client is most likely to occupy and then, and or B, the one that you're already building, you've already got a bit of momentum on um, and, and really nail that one and then diversify later. I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement with what a lot of the you know social media experts would say, that you need to be omnipresent and all that. But before you can omnipresent, you need to be present. Yeah. Like you're trying, to, you're trying to run before you can walk. Like with no presence whatsoever, you're going to get nowhere fast. So yeah, I would start off with one platform. So Dave, I want to make sure you get maximum value from this. Um, 
what, uh, remind me because I think we've met before. Remind me who your uh, who your client is, and then maybe I can advise which platform. So I'm about to jump into the coaching space. So looking at business coaching, but more so business strategy and uh, personal development side of things. So it's your coming up entrepreneur that that sort of area. For who? Like who's the client? Um, it's basically entrepreneurs and. Good, got it. So you've got a bigger problem than social media strategy. The bigger problem is that isn't a niche. So like there are 5 million businesses in the UK. Um, and at the moment you're, you could be any of, you could be for any of them. Um, great example, right here. I don't know how the windows are arranged, but Deborah is right here. She's underneath my window here. Um, wave up and look at me, Deborah. Like this. Um, <laughs> there you go. She's just there. I don't know if she's in that position on your screen. Um, but Deborah's a great example. She's business coaching for dance studios. 120 grand a year, by the way, with, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Deborah, like at the moment, like uh, a pretty you know, flawed pricing strategy that has got a lot of potential opportunity to grow. So, Gordon, another example I gave, business coach for martial arts schools. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he's, he's a um, multi six figure business. You don't need Dave to coach all the entrepreneurs or the business owners. Um, so look at which area you could specialize in, then it will make it far easier to decide which platform you should be on um, because you look at where they generally hang out. So that'd be my advice. Get more specific, more niched with what type of business you're going to serve. Hey, it's Nick here. We'll get back to the show in a moment. I just wanted to tell you about a brand new free training I've put together for you, all about how I went from zero to six figures, to seven figures, to multi seven figures in my business very, very quickly. So you can go and download that brand new free training at expertempires.com forward slash free training. Uh, and when you do that, you'll also be given the opportunity to book a free no obligation strategy call with one of my team so they can help you individually plot your plan to growing your business from wherever it is right now, if it's zero to get to six figures fast, or if it's already at six figures to move it to seven figures or multi seven figures as quickly as possible. So go to expertempires.com forward slash free training. Like I said, uh, right at the start, for those that just joined, I've actually had a load more questions than I anticipated, um, which is a good problem. Um, and I'm going to do my best to get through them. But, but already with Dave's question, for example, I'm like, I could spend an hour now on that and on how we can select the right niche, but I haven't got the time to do that. Um, so what I'd like to recommend, suggest for those of you that um, want to get more time with me, we're running a series of mastermind sessions. Um, it's free to attend. All we ask is that you pay a small refundable deposit just to reserve your seat. 10 people max round the boardroom table at my office. Um, we've got a few dates available with, with seats um, that, are, that are available on them. Um, so I'm just going to drop the link where you can register for that. So I know, I know maybe not everyone can be here. Oh, Matt's already dropped it in. There it is. Um, I know maybe not everyone here, uh, and Matt's has actually dropped the clickable version, which I didn't because I'm an idiot. Um, I know maybe we can't probably go as deep this evening on this short Q&A as, as maybe I'll be able to, you know, in half a day at one of those mastermind sessions, and I might not get to all the questions either. So um, that would be your next best step, really, uh, if you'd like to spend some more time with me. So 
Carol, coming to you. Uh, Carol's question was, how did you launch your first big project? I'm launching my first confidence course soon. Any tips? Welcome. Um, cool. Thanks, Carol. Any, any additional information you think I need in order to answer this? So I am relatively new to the coaching world. I've been running a product business for two years. Yeah. And before that, I was actually an employee. So I worked in marketing and advertising, but I've always mentored and coached people throughout my career, like internally. But um, And the jewellery brand is all about confidence, inspiring jewellery. And lots of people come to me for advice. And so I'm now going to launch a confidence coach. And it's for busy women who don't look after themselves, who look after everyone else. So they're probably going to be mums, if I'm honest. Yeah. And they are, um, they're just, basically they've had their confidence knocked along the way and they, they've turned 40, for example, and they've gone, I don't know who I am anymore and I want to be it. So it's just doing that. But it's the first time I've ever launched a course. So I'm doing Lisa's one-to-many course right. and to, to do it. So I kind of know some of the tips. I just wanted to hear from someone who was an, an expert in coaching how you would do it because I want to launch a membership as well. So yeah, perfect. So, so I think look, Lisa's brilliant at the launch strategy. And I think you could apply a lot of what you learned from her from my side, because we, we probably have a slightly different approach to launches and that's, that's fine. You know, take the best of what I can give you and the best of what Lisa can give you as well. How I launched my first big project and it, you know, big is of course a relative term and you go, well, what's big, but the first significant launch that I did um was like 2009 it was the first time i ran a live event um and what i basically did was um and by the way i've just heard my wife and kids come back so if there's a dog barking like crazy that's my dog going wild so i apologize in advance if it's a distraction um so the first big kind of project that i launched um was my first ever live event um it was a course designed to teach people how to write copy, email campaigns, sales letters, marketing materials. Um, Carol, with your background in marketing, I'm sure you've already kind of got that skill, um, which will be really helpful for you. Um, but the, the effectively the first launch that I did was that course. And um, what I did was I essentially got, I'd built up a bit of an audience of my own, but only small, like, you know, probably six or 700 people on an email list at this point who were all interested in, copywriting tips um you know writing marketing materials tips and so essentially what i did was i went out to all of them and i said hey i'm i'm thinking of running a course teaching you how to do this up until now i my business has been writing the copy for you providing a service like as an agency i'm thinking of running a course where I'm going to teach you how to do it for yourself never done it before my clients pay me thousands of pounds to provide the service you'll be able to come to this course and learn for a fraction of the price. Um, if you're interested, and I can't remember what I did, it was like reply to this email, or if you're interested, click this link, or if you're interested, do this. So what I did was I, I took my 700-ish people on my email list and probably shrunk it down to 70 who went, yes, I'm interested. What I also did was I got a few contacts of mine who I'd worked with and, and I'd built a lot of rapport with and I'd given a lot of value to for free, got them to send a similar message out to their audience. Um, and so, you know, from doing that to my own existing audience and uh, a couple of partner audiences, if you like, um, you know, I got, I got myself 
uh, a couple of 300, I forget the exact number, people that were like, yeah, I'm interested in learning how to write email copy and how to create a sales page and how to essentially write marketing that sells from Nick, send me the info. Um, and then like, then I launched it and said, right, you know, um, here's the dates and here's what, you know, uh, what we're going to cover and um, limited places. And then they went on sale and we did about 15 or 16 grand, I think it was in sales from that launch. So that, that was like the first one. So I guess the tips really just to recap was, first of all, I went out to my existing audience and said, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Let me know if you're interested. So I essentially, and, and Carol, I'm guessing, you know, from your, um, your, your kind of history, you said people are already kind of asking you for this stuff anyway. Um, you've probably got a bunch of people in your, um, in your community, in your world that are already kind of interested in this stuff. If you can, um, let them know that you're doing it. But but what you want to do is you want to get them to put the hand in the air in some way, shape or form and say, yes, I'm interested. And then you can just work on that interested list, if that makes sense. Um, my my, my, my um, approach to sales is fairly simple um, and I'd like to think fairly effective. Um, if you say to me, you are not interested in what I have to offer, I am not going, going to try and sell anything to you. If you say to me, hey, Nick, I'm, I'm interested in your mastermind, I'm going to send you all the info, and guess what? I'm going to then, or one of my teams, going to follow up and say, yeah, great. Like, what questions have you got? Which program are you looking at joining? And we're going to, we're going to ask you a question that will lead to you buying. But I think, Carol, the mistake a lot of people make is they're trying to sell to everybody, and most of them aren't interested. If you can... Essentially, um, if you can filter, funnel your audience, which in my case was like 700, and I funneled it down to 70 uh, of my own, and then a, you know 100 or so from elsewhere. Now I've got this small group of two or 300. They've said they're interested. So now it's completely okay for me to say, here are the dates, here's what you're going to learn, here's where you buy a ticket. And if they don't buy a ticket, I'm still okay to go back to them and say, hey, I noticed you, you said you're interested, but you haven't bought a ticket. What questions do you got? So it means that I can do a great job of serving and selling at the same time because I've effectively um, filtered my audience from a relatively large number into a relatively small number of people that are interested. Does that, does that make sense? And do you think there's a difference now in the fact that there's a lot of online courses versus in real life courses in terms of the pricing strategy? Uh, no, I think, I think people... Um, this is going to sound harsh, uh, and I don't mean it harsh to you, Carol. I'm saying this generally to all. No, no, no. I won't take it. I'm saying this to everybody here, and I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to everybody in our industry. Just remember that nobody wants to buy an online course. Nobody wants a coach. Nobody wants to come to a live event. Nobody wants, none of you really wanted to spend an hour this evening with me on a Q&A. What you want is a result. In your case, Carol, your audience want a result called increased confidence. And it actually doesn't matter whether you deliver that through an online course, whether you deliver it through one-to-one -one coaching, whether you deliver it through a live event, whether you deliver it through an online live event like this, doesn't really matter You've got to communicate 
the result, the outcome in your marketing, which in your case is increased confidence. I'd even go a step further because you know, because you already mentioned who your ideal likely client is, female, let's say hypothetically 40 um, and, you know, kind of lost a bit of direction, had the confidence not. When your marketing message talks to that individual and says, and when you increase your confidence, here are the kind of things that happen. One, you immediately increase your the perceived value of you as an individual, which means if you're an employee, you're immediately more likely to get promoted and earn more money. If you're a business owner, you're more likely to attract more opportunities towards you. If you're single and you want to get in a relationship, guess what? When you're confident, you become more attractive to potential partners. And, 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 and you list all these things. Those are the things that people want. They don't want an online course and they actually don't really want to be more confident. They want what that will bring. Um, at the uh, Expert Empires a couple of weeks ago, Ed Milet was our headline speaker. And his, first of all, his, his presentation was unbelievable. But there, there was one thing that really stuck with me and I think with a lot of people in the audience. Whatever you're selling, whether it's products or a service or anything, you're selling happiness. At the end of it, if, if I said, right, why increase confidence? Well, because then um, if I'm more confident, then I'm more likely to attract a romantic partner. Great. And when you're in a, a romantic relationship, what's that going to mean? Well, it's going to mean that I'm happier. Great. That's the end result. Um, why increase confidence? Because, you know, I want to be able to put myself forward at work and demonstrate my true value. Why? Because then I'm more likely to get promoted. Why is that important? Because I want the feeling of status and I want to be valued. I want to get paid more. Great. What's all that going to give you? Well, it's going to mean that I can buy my dream home. Right. Why is that important? Because it's going to make me happy. So all at the end of it, it don't, I could do this with every single one of you. I could ask you a question after question after question about the result you're looking for in your business or in your life. And the last, the end outcome is going to be happiness or a variation, maybe other words that you would use, but that's it. So just remember that's all you're ever selling. I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up with Ed Milet and replay because I unfortunately had to go at that point because I was at Expert Empires too. Same, but oh, I would, well, when it's yeah, ready, I look forward to seeing it because I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, it was epic. It was epic. Um, and, and, you know, I've just given you like a, a 60 second snapshot, but, you know, it was, he actually did uh, an extended session because obviously he couldn't make it live. So it was, it was his live keynote and then a Q and a as well. It was, it was, it was amazing. So um, yeah, that, that, those are my, those are my thoughts, Carol, for you. Thank you. Um, and of course, you know, um, running a launch, you're getting great guidance from, from Lisa, of course. Um, and uh, for sure, you know, something that, um, we've done time and time again in our own way with launching tickets to events, launching our mastermind, et cetera, et cetera. So um, good luck with it. Let's know you get on. Uh, Lynn, Lynn Monroe. That'd be me then. There you are, Lynn. There you are. I was just looking through the windows to try and see. Um, so I was there too, it was epic, you're right. <laughs> thank you. Um, so Lynn says, speaking in public, I have no confidence. You should do... Yeah, just listening to that. New Carol's course. There you go. They do my course, Liam. Sign up for the Confidence Inspiration Group. There you go. So, uh, and by the way, Carol, there is a caveat here as well that I would argue, like, that Lynn would be infinitely more likely to buy your course if it was about confidence in public speaking 
So it might be that what you do is you take the content and then specialize, like just tweak it and create different courses, confidence, public speaking, confidence um, in the workplace, confidence in relationships, confidence here. So you could, you might actually get even better results if you did that. But that, that might be a... That's give you your niches. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be a later down the line thing, Carol. Um, so, say, I've already thought about some of those, so, but great minds yeah. think alike. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, Lynn, oh, sorry, that was my phone. Yeah, I've, got all my, I've got all your questions here on my phone because I'm running this on my laptop and it just dropped on my desk. Uh, so public speaking, confidence, even in a small group. Um, other than doing Carol's course, Lynn, um, here would be my, well, actually, let me ask you a question first. Why do you want to speak in public? Um, it's, I, I don't do what you guys do. I'm not a coach. I came to the expert ex, uh, thingy with Tracy, Miss Cartland yeah. Ward. Yeah. So I'm in her group. So I do property. Um, so I go to networking things and I'm quite happy talking in a group. But as soon as either you've got to talk about yourself and people are looking at me. I can't get up and speak and I don't know why. Okay. So, um, there's so, there's so many things I could share here. I mean, (laughs) therapy probably. (laughs) Well, look, look, I mean, the the reason I asked why it's important was because unless there was a good answer, by the way, that I do see how it's important, but unless there was a good answer, I'm like, if you don't want to do something, don't do it. <laughs> like a lot of times we, we do things because we think we should um, because everybody else does. And so we kind of like go, well, if that's, if that's what everyone else does, who's successful, then I should do the same. Um, whereas in actual fact, I think, you know, uh, I truly believe that the more you, the more you do the things that you're, your genius at like you are meant to do and you're you're naturally um brilliant at in your business the more successful your business will be the more you force yourself to do stuff that you're not very good at or don't want to do um i think you're just setting yourself up to fail that said um if you really want to get good at speaking in public there's a there's a few things that i'm going to recommend Lynn, and this is really what i did um first of all um I was fortunate to spend a lot of time around great speakers when I was was young. So like I almost learned unconsciously what a good speaker looked and and felt like and Mm -hmm. how they did it. Uh, You know, I I didn't take a course initially. I just watched. Um, And so then when I started, when I did my first ever presentation, um, I don't have any formal training, but I kind of just knew unconsciously what to do it's hard to describe so that's the first thing i'd just be around more great speakers like study great speakers watch youtube videos attend events um and just be in the environment that'd be my first thing second thing i did then get formal training so i did take courses i did like as part of those uh, courses by the way I, I think public speaking is one of those things that you could take an online course and get the information but where the where the learning really takes place is the implementation. Exactly, we do loads online. It's a totally different thing. Yeah, no. What I mean is, like, you, you could learn information online, mm. but actually practicing it is where you improve. Yes. So I'd say, yes, formal training is is highly useful, um, but really it's doing it. And so at some point, of course, you've got to go outside your comfort zone. Um, I'm curious at what at what point. Um, 
would it feel uncomfortable for you? So you said you find speaking like in the networking scenario. Yeah, absolutely. I can talk to strangers. I can go into all sorts, but that's not a problem. But if you, if I went to a network and you've got to stand up and talk about yourself or whatever, I just freeze. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think look, there's, um, first of all, the reason I asked that question is because if it's, like, hey, if it's in front of five people, I'm fine. But if it's in front of 50, I'm not. The, like, my advice would be to start off with, get yourself in environments where you can just practice and do it in front of five people if you feel more comfortable there and then gradually increase it. Um, ultimately, you know, you've got, to, you've got to decide how important this is to you. Mm. And if it's absolutely critical that you overcome this for your own reasons and for the success of your business, then I, I seriously would consider getting some formal training because um, it, it, like that will, in a safe environment, you can yes, practice. Probably. And where, where everyone's in the same boat, everyone's learning at the same time, everyone's making mistakes and screwing up at the same time. It's completely cool. But then when you go out and do it for the first time, it's not the first time. So my, my, you know, I said, like I did some presentations before I'd had any formal training. My first proper people were coming to see me public presentation. The first time I did it, I'm going to guess and say I'd done it 20 or 30 times before. Okay. I can't even do a video, a live or anything. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, so, um, but by the way, um, you've already started the process because we've got four, eight, 12, we've got 13, 14 people here and you've been speaking in front of 13, 14 people. I'm into all sorts of groups like this and that doesn't bother me. Yeah, It's yeah. really weird, but I'll yeah. have to get some, I'll get some things sorted. Yeah. And, and so, certainly um, I, I do think the, the best advice I'd give, yes, coaching, yes, therapy, yes, NLP, yes, hypnosis, <laughs> all that stuff. But ultimately nothing for me beats like getting the training and doing it in a controlled, safe environment, yeah. um, just to it builds the muscle, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be my um, best advice, really. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, I'm just seeing who's here because uh, my next question was Diana. Yes, Diana is here. Um, so Diana's question um, was or is: How do you get staff to actually follow the systems and processes in your business? Is that the question, Diana? Yes, she's nodding. I'm saying that's yes. So um, I, before we can answer that, I think we have to take a number of steps back and look at the systems and processes in the business need to be clearly established and properly documented because if they're not clearly established and properly documented, how on earth can you expect anybody to um, follow that process? Because they're not aware of it. Um, and taking even before that steps, even steps back even further, um, I would say getting um, uh, the, your language is telling, Diana. Uh, how many people have you got in your team? Ten. So you've got 10 people in your team. Your language is telling, um, and, and like, I hope you take this the right way and it doesn't come across as critical. How do you get your staff to follow systems and processes? I'm like, that sounds to me like I want to get people to do something that they don't really want to do. And herein lies the problem. So 
Yes, as I've said, processes and systems need to be documented so they actually know what they should be doing. But first, first things first, for me, it sounds more like a cultural problem than a um, uh, than, than a systems and processes problem. So, like, and that starts from well, first of all, um, we have a saying in our group of companies, um, which is all problems are a leadership problem. So, if my team aren't following the systems and processes, then the first thing I'm going to look at is the person that leads that team or that person and how they maybe are uh, uh, maybe could lead in a in a more empowering way but ultimately i'm going to look at myself and go well if they're not doing their job well enough of leading then i'm probably not doing my job well enough of leading them now i'm guessing with your team they all do they all report directly to you diana or is there no there's there's sorry i've got a lot of background noise so i've got uh, comments in the chat yeah cool okay um yeah, got it. So, um, yeah, you've got um, not not that I think this is particularly relevant, but you shared it. So, female managers, male team, um, and uh, and yeah, my, my question is, do they report to you? So, obviously, the, the managers report to you, and the team report to the managers. So, for, for me, um, I I have to start by looking at myself first and go. What is it that I have done or I've created here culturally that makes it acceptable for these team members to not follow the system and the process? And either it's that I didn't make the system or the process clear enough in the first place and document it, or I did a poor job of hiring the right people, of onboarding them, of training them, of making sure that the standards were clear and that were set from the get-go. Um, and look, I could talk about this stuff all day long, but ultimately, if you really, you know, um, reflected on your own performance and what you've done or not done and feel like you've done everything you possibly could, then um, it's probably um, that you might have the wrong people. And so then you've got certain decisions to make. Um, ah, I've got another follow-up point here that Diana's put in. She says, I'm experts in IT. They're individualistic, don't like doing things themselves. Um, ah, they don't like doing things they themselves do not want to do. Right, okay. So um, for, for me, this is tough. It's a selection thing. Um, if you're recruiting somebody into a role and part of that role, a significant part of that role, includes them doing a lot of things they don't want to do. They're not in the right role. Uh, and um, Diana says she doesn't really want yes men or yes women either. I get that. Um, for, for me, it's, it's a fit. Um, yeah, they, they she says they don't like the admin. I'm like, well, either they needed to be better informed that admin was part of the role before they took it, or... Um, uh, like if they were better informed and now they're in the role and saying they don't want to do it, it's like, well, look, this is what the role entails. This is what you signed up for. And if you don't want to do it anymore, that's fine. Um, you know, I think you, you've got to, you've got to consider all those things, but ultimately it, it, all staffing problems, all team related problems stem from the leadership of the business. And I, I would always start off with, and Diana, I think you said you were an expert in Pfizer a couple of weeks ago. Remember the session that I did on day one, vision of the business which includes purpose why you do what you do why the business exists mission the measurable journey that you're on to 
see how you're progressing against that purpose and values. That's the one that's probably most important for this conversation. What are the standards? What are the attitudes that are uh, that you've established? And by the way, that the team have also agreed are critical. And then it's holding them to account. Um, and by the way, holding yourself to account and your managers to account against those values. Hopefully that helps and makes some sense. Um, Parul, I'm coming to you next. Parul Patel. Um, hey. Hey, how you doing? Good All to right. see you. So, um, yeah, it's a niching down question, isn't it? Um, it was. Um, having said that, I listened to your podcast on niching um, in between all of this. And my, my problem is, so I'm, I'm fairly new. So I'm at the beginning journey um, of my business. And so I'm a cake artist. But, it, but that said, I have such a vast array of things that I make. Yeah. You know, and I enjoy all of it. It's not like I don't enjoy any of it. So when I'm sitting there looking at it, I'm thinking, oh, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. I enjoy that. Ultimately, I'd like to be um, teaching it to yeah. many. That's the end goal at the moment with, with it being at the beginning. When I say I'm at the beginning of my journey, I started baking in 2003. Things have happened in between. I had to put things on hold for three years. I'm coming back again. Um, but it feels like I'm coming back from scratch. Yeah, got it. So, which which is absolutely fine. Um, and it is literally from the bottom up. But I have plenty of content for social media. I'm, I'm not very good at social media, um, but I have plenty of content that I can put out there. Yeah. So I was looking at the niching thing and thinking what what actually makes me happy, every single bit of it. So, you know, when I've got six branches of it, I could you know go to any side of it but all of it makes me happy yeah so it yeah so that's my question how, so, do, how do i find that one yeah okay so i just want to check that i'm understanding correctly so is this question about the like the type of baking that you're going to do for your customers or is it about the type of content that you're going to create to teach other people how to bake um so when i was talking to matt i think my plan is for the next six months i need to be selling my yeah. bake yeah um to put myself out there to make make yeah. sure that everyone knows i'm the expert in the industry they don't yeah. know that yet and then start teaching them how yeah yeah and then once once they know where i am is when i can actually sell yeah. to them how, how um because it's not my uh not my genius um baking as my <laughs> wife test um what what's the uh like how competitive is the teaching it part of the industry okay it is it is competitive but i totally believe people by people no no i, I believe that too so, i was just wondering because because yeah, the degree, competitive. The degree to which there's competition yeah will also be the degree to which you'll need to niche and specialize so uh, on your question you said your skills are really varied you know, it, you know, it could be dessert tables, it could be sugar flowers, it could be various different things. So I think if it's highly competitive, then mm. finding a skill that you specialize in teaching that no one else specializes in will give you... Um, it or will, leverage. It will give you leverage in the short term. Now, here's the, the thing that hopefully will make you feel a lot better about this, because you're going, well, I love it all, and ultimately, my guess is, Parole, you want to teach it all. Mm -hmm. um, 
But if you go out and teach it all, then you're not niching, you're not specialising. So um, something that I say a lot, you may have heard me say this before if you've listened to the podcast a lot or been to my trainings, um, niching, specialising, going into one tight market area is a marketing tactic. It's a short-term marketing tactic. It is not a life sentence. Okay. If, if you start creating content on, and I'm talking way outside of my knowledge base here, on sugar flowers, I'm only mm-hmm. reading this from the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, like, all you do is teach content on sugar flowers for the next six months, 12 months, you'll, you'll get way more attention and market penetration than if you were just doing generic, lots of yeah. stuff, same as everyone else. Then once you've got attention for sugar flowers or whatever it is, and parole's the person for that, then you can start to diversify into other areas in the same way that, as I mentioned earlier, in 2009, my first um, major kind of project launch um, was uh, a live event that I ran called the Copywriting Academy, teaching people how to write sales letters and emails. Um, that's a very, that is like, if you think about business expertise, business coaching, a level down would be marketing expertise, marketing coaching. A level below that would be copywriting, teaching how to write copy. And I coupled it with teaching people who are NLP professionals and life coaches how to write copy for that industry specifically. Very niched. Then probably a couple of years later, I then broadened out and went, it's no longer just copy. It's now all different types of marketing for NLPs and coaches. Um, And we started teaching how to run webinars and I started teaching how to run live events and I started teaching um, how to run a product launch and all these different things. Um, And then it went from just NLPs and coaches to people that ran personal development businesses. And now it's, now it's much broader than that. It's kind of business advice for all expert business owners, but I started niche and then got more generalized as I grew. And I think you could do the same thing. I think if you focus on specializing first, um, uh, but know that that's not forever. It's a yeah. short-term marketing yeah. tactic to get attention. Yeah. So for me, it was, it's just figuring out which one of those areas. So, I mean, to bring the money in, it's corporate orders. Okay. I know I could do that. You know, it's one of those things I could do with my eyes closed. I could do 500 orders, you yeah. know, in a week. It's fine. Not a problem. Yeah. Um, so to bring the money in, that's what I would do. But then, you know, I could go into teaching how to set up postal orders, corporate orders and things like that. So do I go down that road or do I go into set not, you know, say sugar flowers and niche in that and then uh, branch well, out? It, dep- it depends on a load of different things. Um, when I answered Dave's question earlier, I said, look, this is like a whole, you know, two hour seminar on its own, just the concept of niching. Probably could do a whole day on it, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I'll do my best to answer briefly, but I'd also recommend if you want more on this to come to one of our mastermind sessions. And um, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Selby, who's in my team, he's going to put the link in the chat for you to, to book. It's free to come. You just pay a, a little deposit. I'm what there I'd on say, Monday. I'm, I'm there on Monday. Perfect. So we can talk about it more then. What I'd say for now, Paul, is um, it's always going to be easier for you to monetize expertise that leads people to get a financial result. So for example, if you can make plenty of money fulfilling large numbers of corporate orders, and then you teach other bakers how to do the same, that is much easier to monetize than teaching them how to do the the baking, the technical. 
bit. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, I'm, I'm seeing Dave's guitars behind him. It's much easier to make money teaching musicians how to get booked on paid gigs than it is teaching them how to actually play the guitar. Because okay. being able to play the guitar doesn't earn you any money, but getting paid gigs does. So that if, if that appeals to you and you like the idea of doing it, then I think that's probably the, the best way to have a, a commercially successful business. But you might just want to teach people baking stuff because it's your passion. And that's okay too. So uh, we can talk more about that on Monday. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's talk, talk about that on Monday. Cool. Um, yeah. Amazing. But yeah, great. great. Uh, but I'd really like the thinking of spend a bit of time building the, the business that's selling to corporate and mm-hmm. making good money doing it. And then just uh, how many people are there who love baking, it's their passion, um, but they can't make a living doing it, so they end up doing a shitty job they hate. And if somebody yeah. would teach them how to do the business side, like Deborah's doing it for um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Studios, um, you know, like I do for coaches and expert business owners, and 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 Gordon I mentioned does it for martial mm-hmm. arts schools. Then that that's a really good commercial opportunity for you, I think. Um, yeah. Right, I'm wary of time. By the way, I, I know I said, I said right at the start for those that have joined, um, we actually had way more questions than I was expecting uh, submitted in advance. I was expecting like five or 10 questions and we've had like 20 odd. So I'm doing my best to get through those that pre-submitted that are actually here live. Um, I won't get through all of them, but if you'd like to spend some more time with me where we're not so rushed in person, um, then we're running a, a number of a series of what I call mastermind sessions in person at my office, round the boardroom table, 10 seats maximum each session, um, free to come along. All we ask is you pay a small refundable deposit just to reserve your seat because we don't want you to book and then not turn up and then we've got empty places. Um, but Matt Selby, who's one of my team, um, has popped the link in the chat. Although I think he's not there, so I'll pop the link in the chat. Here we go. Boom, there you go. So I've just dropped the link in there so you can see. We've got a few dates available. You go to the page and, and get yourself registered for one of those. Um, I think I'm pronouncing this, hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly, Sajna. Is that correct? Sajna, I can see you're on, but you haven't got video on. That's okay. Um, there she is. Hey, Sajna. Am I pronouncing your name correctly, first of all? I want to make sure. You did indeed, yes. Right. Okay, Sajna. So um, your question is, how do I scale up without burning out? Um which is a, quite a, a, a broad question, I guess. Um, I'll give you, a, you say scale up, that presupposes that you're already at a certain stage in business. So what, like, like just give me a bit of an idea of where your business is. So, um, so I left um, my corporate job in um, 2019 and to run events. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so speaker, coach, and trainer, corporate trainer. Um, that's what I'm doing now. And um, how, when you say, um, how do you scale that burnout? How many so is, started, are you delivering? I, I started off, so immediately I got a business. I started off to one too many. What happened was I was doing group programs, launched last year in June. And then what happened as I was hiring up the price, I started to get one-to-ones, <laughs> so it went backwards. Oh. And now I I ended up selling like high tickets now. So I've got high ticket people wanting to work with me in individually, and but they 
but specifically do not want to work in a group. Yeah, so cool. I'm in that. Um, so I'm running out of my low hanging fruit. So I've been successful in getting my clients. So the first um, group program I run, ten people, seven, ten people, and then it went down, scaled down to one at a time, but high ticket. So that one person would be covering. You know, right, I got it. So let me ask a question. So I want to make sure we use the time as best we can. Um, how close to your maximum capacity are you right now? So I'm actually got um, seven um, high ticket people. That is just my one to one. Yeah, one to one. That's really. And have you got groups happening at the moment, or just one to one? Oh, I, I, groups. That's another part. I'm actually coming to your um, mastermind on the 27th. So that's. I don't want to put that question in. So that's the kind. Of, there's a. There's so, a so look. For where you are right now, I'll give you the, the, the brief answer and then we can talk about it more at the mastermind uh, session. So how do you scale up without burning out? It, it's, it's, there's two ways you do it. Um, one, you already know about because you already started there, is you go one-to-many. Um, and your problem is that people want one-to-one, right? So there's, there's always going to be people that want one-to-one, but you just need to price it accordingly. So I still do one-to-one. I still do one-to-one coaching. Um, it's depending if people pay up front or, or spread out over the year, it's between 40 and 50,000 pounds a year to work one-to-one with me. And there are a certain number of people that will invest that. It's a small number, but there are a certain amount. What that does though, is it positions my group programs, which are anything between seven and 25 grand a year. It positions them as like good value because you're getting loads of access to me and my team for a much smaller sum of money but that's where my scalability lies in the group stuff so i think if you're saying that people um don't want the group they want one-to-one i would argue i would challenge and say i just don't think you're making the group valuable enough as a proposition to make people want it like i genuinely believe and i think it helps that i do believe this i genuinely believe that my mastermind programs deliver better value and better results than my one-to-one because you're getting the group dynamic and partnerships and all these opportunities. Now, even then, there are still people that would prefer one-on-one, mainly because their biggest challenge is either time or geographical location. So they can't physically get to mastermind meetings with me. They, you know, they haven't got the time to spend a day a month plus working in a group format. So they'd rather just work private and that's cool and they pay a premium for it. So answer one is one to many. And I think for you in particular, we need to look at a way to make the group program so valuable that it doesn't seem as less than the one-to-one. And then the other option um, is to go what I call many to many and have other people delivering one-to-one and or group which is which we have as well now. So, I mean, that's the short answer to how you scale um, is really to do one-to-many or many-to-many, I guess. And the burnout thing is probably just, um, it, that's probably something we can talk about more next uh, when you come to our session, but really it's about having um, a well-crafted and well-thought-out strategic plan that doesn't overwhelm because my guess is the reason you're feeling burnt out is you go, right, I've got to deliver for these clients that I've already sold 
and I've got a market and I've got a sale and I've got to do the books and I've got to do customer service stuff and I've got to do this and this and this. And it's bloody overwhelming. That's why you feel burnt out. Mm-hmm. So strategic planning is about prioritizing the things that are most important. Um, and we've got a, a great process for doing that, um, which I can tell you more about when we see you on the 27th or whatever it was. Um, Richard, by the way, I'm, I'm aware that we are like, desperately close to eight o'clock. Um, and I've got, uh, let me see, I've got a couple more questions. Actually, I'm only going to answer one of the people that are on here. Um, yeah, so Richard, I'll come to you. And then I've got a final question from, and I want to make sure I pronounce this correctly, Xerxes. That's a guess. Was that a good guess? Wow. Got, got, it. got the thumbs up. So Richard, I'll come to you, then to Xerxes. Um, Richard, uh, your question was, um, when you decide to grow a business from one man band to employing other people, um, I kind of just answered it in some way, shape or form mm. um, with, with the last yeah. answer. Uh, for me, the it's when you're just before you hit maximum capacity. What, what business are you in, Richard? What are you doing? I'm at the moment a private tutor, but it's like a, a side hustle that's just grown to a point where it's almost full time. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think for you, your, your two options, if you're private tutoring um, and you're near maximum capacity, it's the same answer I just gave. It's either mm. go one to many and start doing tutoring groups or um, get other people that are qualified to deliver the one-on-one tutoring as well. Um, obviously, the former means that you can grow without bringing in other people, without hiring. The latter means that you need to hire but it does mean that you're still selling the same thing. You're still selling one-on-one tutoring, which obviously has been proven, whereas selling one-to-many group tutoring, maybe you haven't tested, haven't proven yet. Um, mm. the, 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 the one final thing I'd say on this, Richard, is um, in addition to what I said about one-to-many and many-to-many, um, I think you need to audit your like what you're doing day to day in the business and decide whether certain tasks are what I call 10 pound tasks, a hundred pound tasks or a thousand pound tasks. And when you start employing other people, the first people you should employ are people that can do the 10 pound tasks. In other words, the tasks that are least impact and least income generating in the business and you could get somebody else to do them for, let's say, hypothetically, £10 an hour. Um, your tutoring, I would hope, is more expensive than £10 an hour. So you're, by, by getting somebody else to do the £10 tasks, you're freeing up your time. You're essentially buying back your own time for £10 an hour, which means you can deliver more tutoring and therefore bring in, make more impact, okay. make more money. So I, I would I would consider moving one to many or many to many. But actually, before I do any of that, take a little time to audit what you're doing day in day out and decide if it's a ten pound task, a hundred pound task, or a thousand pound task, and then hire for the ten pound tasks. My, my first hire was a ten pound an hour personal assistant slash administrator part-time 15 hours um a month uh, sorry 15 hours a week um so you know uh, it was costing me maybe six or seven hundred pounds a month to have that person in my business but i was buying that 15 hours a week of my time 
And then all I did was reinvest that 15 hours a week in marketing and sales activity that brought in more, met much more than six or seven mm. months, and I'm growing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you, Nick. You're welcome. No problems. Um, Zerk says, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, thanks for your patience. Um, I think I've covered all the questions that were submitted and was checking in advance. Yeah, cool. Um, Sammy, I've got yours as well. Um, so, uh, Zerk says, struggling to upscale, get new clients for your holistic health practice, already increased rates, uh, offered packages, provided service through blogs, great website, Google reviews, other input. So, um, yeah, maybe, um, yeah, give me a, it's just getting new clients, getting more people into the practice. Right, yes. And what, what's the, uh, holistic health is quite broad. So what, what are the main um, problems you solve or services you provide? Yeah, so I niche basically in mental health um, and women's health, uh, which is great because once, um, you know, my target audience is probably between 25 and 39. And if the woman has a child, they say, well, I feel better. Do you, can you help my child who's got autism, ADHD, et cetera? Yes, we can do that. So I bring a blend of therapies inside. So I'm a hypnotherapist, I'm an energy healer, I'm a homeopath. I'm bringing all this in with life coaching. Yeah. But it's just struggling in terms of trying to get it up to the next level. And even then, you know, when you see other homeopaths, for example, out there charging 200 pounds, for example, for a session, and I give so much more yeah. uh, for what they bargain for. It's yeah. still... are, you, are you, at the moment, are you doing um, by, you're, you're getting paid by the session or are you selling? I am, yes. But then I'm moving on to, like I said, packages. So they, they buy a package. But even then, you know, if I'm trying to sell a package for about a thousand pounds, they're not buying it. This is this is a subtlety, um, but I hope everyone's listening to this. If for a thousand pounds, what's the package? So they get two hours with me a week, then they get a follow-up call at the end of the week. Um, they get all this included, they get a health issue sorted out for a for, for a month. Um, and uh, yep, that's about it. So I mean there's a whole lot of other things that I include in that, but Got it. So, so here's, and again, you know, I'm giving you a, a quick answer to quite a complex question. I think, um, I hope everyone's listening to this. What, what I asked was, what's the package? And Xerxes immediately went to, they get two hours or whatever it was with him. They get an extra checking call. They get it. Remember what I said, right, uh, right at the start of this evening, no one wants a coach. No one wants to come to a therapist. No one wants to buy your book. No one wants to uh, come to your webinar. No one wants to come to my event. They want a result. They want an outcome. And so what I would be doing, um, Zerk says, is I'd create a package for um, what, what's like the most common thing that people come to you for help with? Just improving their life. Yeah. So, so Spirituality, improving life, relationships. Yeah, yeah. So what's the most common one though? Like, give me uh, anxiety, pretty much. Perfect. Thank you. Perfect, perfect. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. So so here's what I would do. Um, I would be like if everyone else is selling somebody who's got anxiety, everyone else is selling hundred pounds, two hundred pounds a session, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, I would be, I would be personally, if I was going into that that world, that market, I'd be selling a what, a ninety day program or a thirty day program, and we are going to in that thirty days or ninety days or whatever it is, we are going to completely transform your mental health, make anxiety a thing of the past, have you feel whatever they want to feel instead, confident, free, in control. You you know all the you know the things that they want, right? Um, and, and by the way, the two calls and the two hours and all the features they get is almost irrelevant. Um, what they're buying is, I'd like to solve my anxiety problem, please. And you're telling me, Zerk says, that you can help me solve it within 90 days and it's going to cost me a thousand pounds. There you go. We've got to sell the result and we've got to sell the solution to the problem, not how many sessions we get. The biggest mistake most coaches and alternative therapists, hypnotherapists make is to sell them by the session. And, and so then it's like you're commoditizing your skill by saying an hour of my time is worth this much money. You've got to get out of selling time and into selling results um, because that is the only way that you'll stand out and differentiate yourself from other holistic practitioners. Okay. That makes sense. And and by the way, I would, if I was you, if anxiety is the most common one, I'd make all of my front, all my marketing, all of my front end lead generation stuff about anxiety become like, in, is it a physical practice? In a, yes, I do have physical as well as Zoom. Yeah. Where, where, are, where are you based? Jared's Crofts. Great. So I would, like, my goal for you would be, like you are known as the guy for anxiety in that area. Like, the, like yes, of course, there's loads of other stuff you can do, but if anybody mentions the word anxiety around your local area, everybody knows you are the guy. And what that will mean is that you massively increase your perceived value because you're the one expert. Because all you need is you get people in the door. Once they're in the door, then... It stimulates lots of different opportunities for cross sales and continued ongoing service. You've just got to get you've got to get past that, like competing with all the other people first. And for me, the way you do that is by just going, "You are the guy for anxiety," and that's all the messaging on all of your marketing should be just that. Make sense? Thank you. Cool. You're welcome. No problems. Um, Sammy, thanks for your patience. I think you've waited um the whole evening so i appreciate it um so sammy's question was uh, how do i get rid of the fear of meeting a new client um do, does just so i know uh, sammy is this a new client that's already a client and now we're we're saying that we're fearful of meeting the new client or meeting a potential client who you want to enroll to be a new client which one is it a potential new client i thought that was the case i just wanted to make sure i was answering the right question um so, so have we got like somebody like is this a real life problem? Like we've got a potential new client. We're going to meet them, and there's fear around that. Is that is that the case? That's right. Yeah. So uh, I'm in the mortgage market, and we're going to be meeting this new client. And of course, you do have the fear of, an, uh, for example, personality-wise and stuff, uh, where they can be easygoing or a really hard person to go yeah. with. Yeah, cool. So, so here's what I would do. I, I would, um, and again, there's, there's like most of the questions this evening. There's so I could spend like probably half an hour on each of them, um, going really deep. But um, brief answer: 
would be the more information you can get about the client beforehand, the better. So like, if you can get them to fill out a questionnaire, asking them a bunch of questions, the answers to which would give you a good idea of the type of person they are, what they're interested in, you know, what, what they're like, their likely um, objections, hesitations, concerns would be all of that. The more info you can gather before the meeting, the more equipped you can be going into it. Therefore, the more confident you can be, the less fearful you are. Um, the, the, the other couple of things I'd say that I think are helpful. Um, one is like, I mean, you know, I'm just going to say, uh, you know, I'm not going to be around the bush, getting great training on how to run those potential client meetings is, is, you know, highly valuable. And, um, I'm biased, but I do think that we've got the best training on the planet when it comes to sales and closing either one-to-one face-to-face over the phone, however it might be, um, which is a training that my business partner, Matt Elwell runs in one of my companies called the elite closing Academy. That training will give you way more confidence um, and will help you remove the fear of those sales meetings, those sales conversations. Um, but like I said, I think just getting more data, more information. Look, the fact is most people fear the unknown. You're going into a meeting. You don't know the person. You don't know what they're like. You don't know what their objections or concerns are going to be. Um, so the more you can get that info beforehand, the easier it's going to be for you to go in fully equipped and prepared, which will remove some of the fear and I would suggest you get, you know, um, you, for for less than a thousand pounds, a lot less than a thousand pounds, you can get three days of advanced training with Matt on, and Matt Selby, by the way, who's on here, can tell you more about that. Um, uh, you can get three days of training where you learn exactly what to say and how to say it. You get scripts. You can, you know, you'll leave with like, here's how I structure that meeting, and that certainty and that level of preparation will, will remove 90% of the fear you're currently experiencing. Brilliant. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. And, and Matt Selby, who's on, can get you with info about that training, which I think would be highly valuable for you. Um, I think I'm just checking we've covered. Uh, yeah, th- there were some more general questions, um, but I, I tried to make Make uh, make sure that we answer the most specific ones. Um, the the only one that we haven't answered, John John Wilson, um, didn't want to leave you out. I think we've covered everybody else's. Um, so John's question was all about growing audience and email marketing. Um, so John, I can't see you. I don't know if you're actually on. Um, so uh, and by the way, Matt Matt Selby just dropped the link in again for those of you that would like to spend a bit more time. Um, asking more questions and getting some more advanced support. We've got a number of mastermind meetings, mastermind sessions coming up, which I'm making free to attend for, um, for 10 people per time. Um, you go to the link that Matt's just popped in the chat and uh, you can see the dates we've got available, get your place booked. Like I said, it's free to come. Um, all we ask is you pay a small refundable deposit to secure your seat because if it's free and people don't come, then we've got empty seats. We've only got 10 seats per session. So yeah, get yourself, uh, get yourself hooked on during, uh, using the link in the chat. Like I said, we've got a few dates available. So uh, click the link and go and book. Uh, John, I can see a silhouette, John. Um, I can't see you. You looks like you're out and about in the dark. Um, so 
what was the question specifically, John, on growing audience and email marketing? I think he might be writing it in the chat. I'm just going to talk generally about this, uh, and uh, uh, and then you can give me a specific question, maybe. So, um, growing audience and email marketing. I think we've talked already this evening a lot about the importance of niching and specialising. It's infinitely easier to build an audience when you're a specialist than if you're a generalist. That's the first thing. Um, secondly, looking at where that audience hangs out. So, what platforms um, the that audience would generally be most prolific and most present on so you know i, I said um we had a question right to start about social media strategy and i'm like look i would and john's just said in the chat he's basically starting and getting a business underway building an audience i'd go super specialized dominate one platform in that specialist area um and look email marketing still works we still do a lot of email marketing do i think it's the most effective way to get your to get attention to get your message across to people probably not these days because you know like um the average person in the uk the us gets you know, you know best part of 150 emails a day on average in their inbox so competition for attention in the email inbox is high um whereas you know you get a lot less communications via text message or via um direct mail or, or even phone calls like there's there's a lot of better ways to get attention i think so yeah i'd say briefly john um, and again we can talk about this in more depth if you want to book a place at one of our mastermind sessions but briefly i would say um grow an audience by one specializing and getting really clear on who it is you're targeting who what kind of person you want to attract into your audience two then dominate in a platform where they're most present and most engaged and three utilize as well as email other ways to communicate i'm actually right now just about to go you'll see in the coming weeks and months i'm just about to go crazy aggressive on text message marketing I'm actually looking at building, um, my outcome is to build the most engaged text message list in our industry in the UK, whereby I'll be texting people with content regularly, a few times a week, which if you follow me on Facebook or you're on my email list, let's face it, you don't see most of it because the algorithm on Facebook doesn't show it in your feed or it goes into your spam folder or it gets caught up with the other 100 plus emails a day that you're receiving. Um, so I'm, I'm quite keen on building like the biggest and most engaged text message list in the UK expert space so that I can, get, I can put good stuff straight to you on your phone and you're going to see it, which means you'll get invited to come to things like this when I'm doing them first, it means you'll get the best deals on Expert Empires tickets before everybody else. It means you're going to get content that's exclusive um, to my text message list that nobody else is going to see on socials or on email. Um, so, and the reason I'm doing that, John, is because yes, email is still effective, but nowhere near as effective as it used to be. And quite frankly, I'm sick of spending so much time and energy creating great content. And then, you know, we send it out on email and maybe only 25 or 30% of people see it. Whereas I know if I send it out on a text message to people that have asked for it, I'm not just going to send it to people that haven't asked. They'll actually, you need to subscribe to be on this list. Um, 
And ultimately, it's going to be paid, by the way. Probably going to make it free to start with, but ultimately, my intention is to charge people to receive my text messages. Um, but what that means is that I'm going to get like 90% plus of people that are asking for that information are going to get it direct. Um, so I'm not I'm not rubbishing email and saying it's not, not useful, but I'm just saying I think there are better ways to communicate. So, um, uh, yeah, hopefully you found this evening interesting. I've actually really enjoyed doing this this evening. It's the first time we've done this publicly um, outside of our mastermind programs. Um, maybe we'll do more um, since we had so many questions. Um, of course, remember, you can use the link that Matt Selby's just dropped in the chat to book your place on one of the upcoming mastermind sessions that I'm running. They're free to attend. You just pay a small deposit to reserve your seat. 10 people max per session. So a bit like tonight, small group, but in person, round the boardroom table in my offices. Um, as Matt just said, if you can't make the dates on the link, he has got extra dates. So just drop him a message and he'll get that sorted for you. Um, but yeah, that is it for this evening. Go ahead and book your place. Just going to drop the link here again. There you go. Um, and uh, if you can't make those dates, then Matt Selby will sort you out. So thanks everyone for joining. Um, thanks for spending the time here with me this evening. Hopefully you found it useful. Thanks, Matt, Appreciate that, mate. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you in person at Expert Empires HQ for a mastermind session very soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you for that. Cheers. Bye, everybody. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect. <laughs>